Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development, where Andrew and I talk to experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. All right, welcome to episode 118 of the Office 365 Developer Podcast. What's up, Coty? Coty? Cozy. Yeah, well, Coty's actually busy with Ignite Australia this week, so I'm running solo on things, but it's all good. Uh, we'll have him back next week and excited to hear about all the excitement that went on at that conference. So I'm going to go through the, the weekly updates that I'm going to talk about, kind of an interesting uh, scenario that I've been playing with that I think will be really interesting to both the SharePoint and Office developers. So in terms of, of weekly updates, uh, this week uh, there was a, a pretty big announcement about uh, OneNote REST APIs now supporting application-level permissions. So OneNote's been one of the areas that has been primarily around delegated permissions. Um, it's, it's also something that's been in beta in the Microsoft Graph for a really long time and actually still looking for that to matriculate out to the production endpoints of the Microsoft Graph. But this is a big movement for OneNote APIs. Really ha not a whole lot has gone on there in the last year, but the support for application-level permissions certainly enables a number of additional scenarios where you can have background processes that go and update different things that you might have in OneNote. So uh, that's really cool, and that's out on dev.office.com. We'll have a, a link to that uh, uh, publication in the show notes. Uh, the other thing from dev.office.com in terms of announcements are some updates to the Yeoman generator for Office. You know, the Yeoman generator, it, it's interesting. It started as kind of a community effort, but it's become something that's fully supported by uh, the Office developer team. And so they've actually gone and added some additional capabilities, including things like using the Office UI fabric and being able to deliver templates specific to that out of the Yeoman generator and being able to stay up to date with additional new technologies. So uh, check this out if you've been doing anything with the Yeoman Generator. Uh, you'll definitely want to check out the updates that have been pushed out around that. Um, a few other things. The, the SharePoint PNP webcast uh, for this week is out there. This is on SharePoint customizations, when to use which model. You know, this is something that I think, um, unfortunately, uh, us at Microsoft have created a lot of confusion around. Uh, it seems like every version of SharePoint, a new kind of extensibility model comes out. So in 2007, it was WSPs and being able to build, you know, feature framework items. In 2010, it was Sandbox Solutions. In 2013, it was the app or add-in model. And now we have the SharePoint framework. So I, I'll admit that Microsoft causes a lot of this confusion and so the, the latest PNP webcast does a really good job of kind of breaking down the different development options and when it is advantageous to use one versus the other. So there's lots of uh, detail around, around this, and so definitely check out that post. Um, around the blogosphere this week, uh, I, I have to say that Michael Spinson gets the award for uh, blogging this week. He has two really interesting blog posts. One we just missed 
last Tuesday. It just missed the cutoff for being included. Actually, this looks like it was from a week ago. We just didn't uh, mention it. This is a really important one. So he did a post on how to consent an Office 365 service app. Um, This is important if you're going to do anything around app-only permissions. If you build an app-only permission, something that runs behind the scenes, you still have to have a user consent to it. So you have to at least send them through a flow where they can consent to that application and allow users, um, you know, access to users' data. And so uh, it's something that we don't frequently uh, put a lot of documentation out there. It's The documentation exists, but sometimes you have to hunt for it. Uh, and so Michael put a, a really nice post together that just simplifies it. Uh, it's actually pretty easy. It's just through the normal flow, whether you're getting an authorization code or an ID token, you can just say prompt prompt equals admin underscore consent, and that will force it through there. So this is, again, really important for things like app-only permissions or if you're building any app with the Microsoft Graph that requires admin consent. Uh, so anything that uses things like the Groups APIs or queries deeply into Azure Active Directory, most of those all require admin consent right now. And therefore, you're going to have to have a user kind of go through that flow. And so it's nice to be able to know how you can you know, provide a link that an admin can use. So definitely check that one out. Uh, it's pretty simple, short post, but it's, it's something that uh, I'm surprised no one else has really blogged a lot about that because it is a big one. The other one that um, uh, Michael put together was around using Microsoft Flow, and in his words, the lazy coder's alternative to SharePoint webhooks. So SharePoint webhooks are kind of the modern version of a event receiver or a remote event receiver. Uh, it's, it uses more internet standards around just normal REST to be able to perform this. But I'll be honest, having worked with webhooks quite a bit, there's a lot of moving parts for a developer. I mean, you have to, first of all, register an application. You have to then go through and subscribe to the webhook you're interested in. You have to renew that subscription on certain durations. And you actually, when, when the webhook is called, you still have to go fetch data that triggered that event. And, and so Michael does a good job in his post of breaking that down of, hey, here's all the plumbing that's required in order to do this. And, and Flow gives me the ability to, in a sense, be um, triggered on basic activities. And so um, it's, it is a nice alternative in some scenarios where you could easily, you know, when an item is created, have it go off and call some service that you have or perform some other operation. And so I think it's pretty funny that he calls it the, you know, the lady coder, lazy coders alternative to SharePoint webhooks. But in a, a lot of cases, he's correct there. Uh, there are a certain number of scenarios that it doesn't support. And so he also talks about that a little bit more in his post. So check that out. We'll have it in the show notes. Uh, both really good posts from uh, Michael and, and thanks for doing a lot of posting this week. Um, have a, a part two post from Chris O'Brien. He did a post a, a, a little while back on building web part properties in the SharePoint framework. So uh, he has part two of that going a little bit deeper into you know all the different things that you might do in the web part properties pane. You know everything from buttons and how the different type of buttons might look uh, down to all the different types of controls and properties that you might uh, use in there. So. Uh, check this out. Again, if you're doing anything with the SharePoint framework, uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting things to, to read out of his post. 
goes into a lot of detail even further in, in terms of things like leveraging, you know, maybe some of the icons that are available in the Office UI fabric to be able to have better looking functions or be better looking controls in that property pane. Uh, so, so check that out. Uh, so those are the main, uh, I would say, community updates for the week. Um, in terms of the topic for this week, I'm actually going to center it around a blog post that I did. So I, I just posted a blog post on building SharePoint framework web parts uh, that deliver bots that are very contextual. And so this is something that isn't necessarily a new concept. Uh, in fact, Patterns and Practices has a sample around embedding a bot in SharePoint using the SharePoint framework. However, it re really was just about throwing a bot into SharePoint. There was no really integration between SharePoint and the bot. It, it was, in a sense, just saying, hey, if you wanted to host a bot in SharePoint, here's how you go about doing it. And, and so I wanted to take that post uh, a step further. We have some really great capabilities with the bot framework that make some really powerful scenarios with SharePoint possible. And so specifically, there's kind of this unknown gem inside the bot framework called the back channel. And, and what the back channel is, it's kind of a, a hidden, or at least it's hidden for the user, communication channel that your client application can have with your bot logic. Uh, so a client is anywhere that a bot runs and my bot logic is just an endpoint that runs out somewhere in the cloud or on a website somewhere. Um, so this opens up some really great scenarios. So the kind of the first and foremost scenario that I see this being used is when I go to a SharePoint page that has a bot in it, I want it to automatically know who I am. And that's a scenario that the back channel is perfect for. I can have script that runs in the page that calls the back channel and says, hey, I've, I've already figured out who the user is via CSOM or maybe the user profile's REST endpoint. And I, I'm going to pass that user information down to uh, my bot. So my bot knows ahead of time who I am. Some more complex scenarios come in the other direction. Let's say my bot needs some additional information from SharePoint, I could have my bot call the back channel. So the back channel is, is bi-directional. And I could have SharePoint, or I'm sorry, my, my bot endpoint, call through the back channel and actually run some script locally to maybe, again, use CSOM or the rest endpoints to get data. So in that way, and, and, and I hate to use the word exploit, but my bot can exploit SharePoint to be able to get the information it needs. And because I'm using the word exploit and because it, this is going to run in context of the user, I would certainly say that, you know, be keep in mind that anything that you run in this model is, is going to run high trust or if you deliver it through an add-in, whatever permissions that add-in has. So that's something that you need to be aware of. But it opens the door for a bot that can be really powerful. It already knows everything about me. And it can really take advantage of where it's running. Now, the post that I did, and again, I'll have this in the show notes, it was specific to SharePoint. It was building a, a web part that hosted my bot that then, you know, used that back channel to do all the communication. But this exact same concept could work in an Office add-in. So I could have a mail add-in 
that, again, instead of calling SharePoint REST endpoints, it could use Office.js and, in a sense, expose any of that functionality that Office.js provides through the back channel. And, um, you know, I could do some super powerful things in, like, a mail add-in or even in, you know, Word, PowerPoint, or Excel by being able to interact with the document that I'm in. And so this back channel is, is really interesting and powerful. And so I thought I'd break down just a little bit about how you could do something like this. Uh, for those that aren't really familiar with bots and the bot framework, uh, a bot is really as simple as building a RESTful endpoint. That's all it really is, at least with the bot framework, is that you just build a RESTful endpoint that different bot clients like Skype or Microsoft Teams or uh, you know Slack can call into. So it just uses very you know HTTP posts um, on this this RESTful endpoint. Now, what gets posted is activities, and there's all kinds of different activities. Probably the most familiar kind of activity that someone might be able to recognize is a message activity. A message is just kind of the normal use of a bot. I type some text in and I send it. That's a message activity that gets sent to my bot endpoint. And my bot endpoint will probably respond in some way via a message. It might send a message back and, and give me a response to whatever I was asking about. But there's other types of activities that are incredibly powerful um, some of them are, are kind of built into the bot framework automatically. So an example is uh, some bot channels will indicate as soon as you are typing. Uh, and so there's a typing uh, type of activity where you can alert the bot framework that a user is typing. So we've all probably seen this in different chat clients where you know it'll, it'll show that a user is actually typing a message. So Facebook Messenger does this. Um, Apple Messenger uh, does that as well. Uh, but there are other ones. There are things like uh, conversation updated. So this is a type of a activity that gets passed to the bot when someone is added to a conversation or someone is removed from a conversation. Uh, so those, that's, a, again, another powerful use of the different activities that get passed between a client and a bot endpoint. What we're going to do in order to do this back channel is we're actually going to introduce a different activity type called an event. And so we're going to, in, in kind of this, uh, this back channel, all we need to do is pass an activity whose type is an event, and that is going to provide that back channel. Um, any of the typical messaging uh, listeners will completely ignore an event. They'll completely ignore a lot of different activity types, but if you think about it, if I have some sort of client and I send an event in, it's not going to show up in like the actual chat window. It's just kind of a background thing. And so this is something that we can easily leverage in any sort of a client. And so in, in the sample that uh, I built for uh, the SharePoint framework, it uses, we actually, as part of the bot framework, we have a, a web chat control. It's actually a React component. If you're not a React person, don't worry. There's not really much to it. It's really just a little bit of JavaScript where you say, hey, throw this control in this div. So you have a, a div somewhere in your, your, in this case, web part, or if you have it in a page, you can have you know a, a div in your page. And what you say is, 
hey, I want I want the web chat to take over this div. And so you just run a little bit of code that ultimately associates the web chat with the div and and that's it. Your bot just kind of functions. Now, there's some additional things where you have to give it a a token or a secret that uh innocence maps your bot to that client, but for the most part, the the control handles everything. It handles all of the different messages that come, go back and forth. Now, what we're going to be able to do is, again, manually send through code a message, uh, or not really a message, but an activity back to our bot. And so um, in the sample, the first kind of scenario I talk about is sending mess uh, or these activities from the client to the bot. And and the scenario here would be is if I want to send that that contextual user information back to my bot. As soon as my web part loads, I can simply run uh, just a little bit of script to call the user profile endpoint in, in SharePoint or maybe use CSOM to get the active user. And as soon as I get that user, I can on my my that that web chat control, I can post activity. And so it's it's really as simple as saying bot connection dot post activity and I can send any data I want on it. Now my bot on the back end, it just needs to be listening for events. Uh, and, and that's just a simple again it's a if you're using C sharp, it's a web API endpoint, just a simple REST web API endpoint. If you're using Node, there's it's even simpler. It's just a really simple little node application that listens for different types of things. But uh, in a sense, I can listen to that event coming in and, and handle it however I want. In the case of sending user information, I might store that in some sort of state management that the bot has. So the bot has both a conversation data and a user data that I can use as state management for the conversation. And so what I do is, again, I just post the user information to my bot, and then my bot stores that within the uh, user data of the bot conversation. Now that's that's kind of going from client to bot. Now the opposite way is also very interesting. If I want to send some sort of message down to my client uh, without it showing up in the normal conversation window, I can send an activity of type event the other direction. And so the scenario here might be um, I might just give it, you know, say, hey, I need you to run this REST query on my behalf against SharePoint and then send me back the results. And so that's exactly what I do in the sample that's in my blog post is I'm ultimately using my web part as a REST proxy for my bot. Uh, my bot can simply just send the queries that it wants down to uh, the client through the back channel. The back channel or, or my client can run that query and send the results back through the back channel. And so um, again, it's a it's a pretty powerful scenario to be able to to do. Um, so that again, going from the the bot to the client is still just creating an activity. Um, I'm going to specify that it's an event type, and that I can just pass whatever data I want on that and. Um, on the client, it's just a matter of subscribing to specific types of activity. Uh, I can just subscribe to whatever uh, I want on there and just listen for those things that are coming in. 
And so um, I, I encourage everyone to go and check this out if you're into SharePoint development or just into bots or interested to see how they might work together. Uh, you can you can certainly go get this and, and run with it. A few things that I did is it's there's actually quite a few steps in getting all of the things orchestrated together. And so I thought I'd simplify it by publishing my bot uh, out on the internet and actually giving you my secrets. So um, you don't have to publish your own bot to do this. I did provide all the bot code, but if you want, you can simply clone my uh, SharePoint framework projects and just immediately run them, and th they should work. There's nothing uh, you know interesting that you have to do. You certainly could go and, and deploy your own bot if you wanted, and eventually you probably will if you want to use this pattern. But um, it, it really can deliver, I think, some very powerful scenarios. I think about like help desk things, like you have your um, you know a help desk bot that can automatically look at you know who the user is and then be able to maybe even run some additional queries against SharePoint. Um, and I guess the final thing I would say, if you're not familiar with the bot framework, bot framework supports all these different types of channels. Uh, a channel might be Skype, it might be Slack, it might be Microsoft Teams. In this case, we're using something called the direct line, which is more of like a, a greenfield developer's approach to working with bots. You can kind of code around it. And that's what the web chat was. The web chat is a control that was coded to work against that direct line uh, channel. Um, the really interesting thing is that the bot framework supports the ability to, uh, in a sense, cross channels. Like I could start off by using this, you know, really simple bot that's running inside of a SharePoint page that knows who the user is. And it can even, by being able to call into SharePoint and get user profile information, it could see what my SIP address is, which is a, you know, a Skype for business thing. And it might be able to, from there, pass that on. We're currently working on a Skype for business channel in the bot framework. And in the future, I might be able to do things like transfer that chat from being just like a, an automated bot to an actual human. And, and we have lots of good samples on showing you how to do that uh, transfer to human. So going from uh, automated bot to a human. Uh, again, if, if we support the channel and the bot framework, most likely we can go from one channel to the other in the same conversation, so transferring that. And so I think that there's some super interesting things that, that you can do there. Um, and so that's really all I wanted to, I just thought, you know, given that uh, Andrew is, is busy this week with Ignite Australia, I thought that I'd talk about this in a little bit more detail. I'm really interested to see what people will do with this. Um, you know, right now there's really within Microsoft two of the most popular technologies right now are the SharePoint framework and bots. And so the ability to kind of bring those together into one solution I think is really cool. And this back channel is a really simple and powerful way to make that more integrated and a more powerful scenario. So that's it for this week. Uh, next week we'll have Coatsy back and we'll have a, a great guest to, to chat with. Uh, but hopefully you'll check out the weekly updates and check out how to do some cool things in SharePoint with bots. Uh, have a good week. See you next week. Well, that's all for this week. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts, the developer program, and other amazing content. Also, make sure you follow us at Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. 
Until next week, get your coat on. 